Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, October 6th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, for the first time ever, Mississippi is requesting wildfire equipment and personnel from other states in the South to help combat wildfires. Then, Ban Books Week brings readers across the Deep South together to celebrate the freedom to read. Plus, we visit the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the 164th State Fair. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Since August 1st, nearly 900 wildfires have burned more than 15,000 acres of Mississippi. Most of the firefighters working to put out these wildfires have never seen it so dry and the fires grow so fast. That's according to Russell Bozeman, state forester with the Mississippi Forestry Commission. He tells our Mike McEwen the weather has been so dry. Lately, it allows fires to jump from contained areas and spread much further. The National Weather Service referred to it as a flash drought, and that's kind of the first time that I have had the opportunity to experience a flash drought. Uh, primarily, it was in the southern half of the state, so um, early or late in the summer, I guess, early as far as a fire season is concerned, fall fire season is concerned, um, it dried up. It dried up in the bottom half of the states. It stopped getting rain. We were managed to get a little bit of rain in North Mississippi. Uh, the top half of the state kept moving through it periodically. That kept, luckily, kept conditions a little bit greener in, in North Mississippi. But the the southern part of the state has uh, has been dealing with significant drought issues for yeah two months now. How has that changed your approach? These increasingly dry conditions. So every year we go through two wildfire seasons we have a spring wildfire season which is usually our biggest season it usually happens around march and then we have the fall wildfire season so the fall wildfire season typically starts right around the end of september beginning of october so now so what we're experiencing this year is with the drought so we had a drought move in a couple of months ago the end of july beginning of august um, when we stopped getting rain in the southern half of the state. So what it ended up doing is it extended the fall fire season by a couple of months. So we're just now getting to what is a normal fall fire season. So typically this time of year, it does get a little bit drier. The cold fronts are moving through, so the humidities are lower. The temperatures are better, so there's more people outside. 
uh, doing activities that may create a spark or a flame or an ember. If you've driven down the, the highway or the roads and you see big black areas on the side of the road, somebody thumped out a cigarette butt or there were chains dragging from a trailer down the road or recently we had a van that was being pulled down the road. The back tire went out, tire came off the rim, rim started throwing sparks. The driver that was pulling the van <laughs> didn't realize it for a little while and set fire for half a mile uh, down a road. So, you know, it doesn't take much of a spark when it's this dry to start a fire on the side of the road. Then with the wind, it pushes it through the grass on the side of the road, it gets into a forest or brush or grassland, and, and it's off to the races. Once the fire gets established and it, it makes it to that wood line, the fire behavior we're seeing is very erratic and very explosive. So once it gets into this dry vegetation, especially if it's if it's ladder fuels, in other words, it's uh, vegetation up off the ground for 20 feet, the, the fire will get high. It'll get above the ground and start running through the vegetation, which is extremely difficult to try to suppress. you got to try to bring the fire back down to the ground where you can fight it. Is that more or less what happened with the Scott County fire recently? I think it burned for about two weeks. So that's another thing we're seeing during uh, conditions this dry is that these fires will not go out. So when the both the soil and the organic material is this dry, it can stay smoldering for a very long period of time. So let's say you know you have a big fire on the landscape the fire will actually move into the ground. It will burn through roots or debris that's underground, logs, whatever the case may be, organic material in the soil. So we may get around it with our bulldozers and our backfires and get the fire contained and suppressed, but what we're seeing is that, you know, two days later, the fire makes its, that's in the ground makes its way back up, and either wind will pick up an ember and throw it across the fire line, or it will actually burn underneath the fire line and then come back up on the other side of the fire line. So we have several big fires in the state that we have been fighting for multiple weeks. We're having to go back out, catch the jumps where the, the fire has, has come back up from, from underneath the soil and started a fire outside the containment line. Russell Bozeman, state forester at the Mississippi Forestry Commission. More than 50 counties have issued burn bans that are expected to last at least another month. Coming up, Ban Books Week has brought readers from across the Deep South together to celebrate the freedom to read. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Fix It 101 is a fun podcast with lots of home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Across the region, parent organizations have been leading efforts to ban books they believe inappropriate for children and teens. But libraries and bookstores are pushing back. They're celebrating Ban Books Week. From the Gulf States Newsroom, Drew Hawkins and Maya Miller report. The bandwagon has officially arrived at Baldwin & Co., a black-owned bookstore in the Treme in New Orleans. And the crowd is pumped. 
More than 200 third and fifth graders from schools across the city are here for the Unbanned Book Festival. The event is part of National Banned Books Week and includes readings from authors like Ani DeFranco. But the real scene stealer here is the bandwagon. Is this an ice cream truck for banned books? It's an ice cream truck for banned books. Carly Gorga is with Penguin Random House, the publisher partner with literacy organizations for a banned books road trip across the South. There's a menu of 12 books to choose from. Which ones do you seem to be most popular based on the previous stops? I Am Jazz and The Bluest Eye have been the most popular, which is interesting. Sort of different ends of the spectrum. That picture book about a child transitioning and Toni Morrison's first novel are some of the most frequently challenged books in the U.S. Book bans have been on the rise in recent years, especially in schools. PEN America reported that more than 3,300 books were banned during the last school year. But by the bandwagon in New Orleans, people are lined up around the block to get copies. Kids like Ryan Vitry, who's here with his dad. He actually skipped school to be here, but don't tell anybody. Ryan is getting a copy of Pride, a picture book about the history of the Pride flag. Um, I have three moms, so that's important to me. I think that everybody should be able to read them. In Louisiana, just challenging a book can get it pulled from library shelves. And the leading candidate for governor in the state has set up a tip line to report librarians and teachers who connect children with books that are quote-unquote inappropriate. Yeah, and here in Mississippi, there's a state law that requires all content in libraries to be checked to make sure it falls in line with certain standards. So to avoid fines and possibly jail time, libraries are putting age limits on things like ebooks and audiobooks because there's no way to vet them all. And Maya, you went to an event for Banned Books Week in Mississippi. What was that like? Well, Drew, I went to a library at the Mississippi University for Women in Columbus, and I hung out with a couple of librarians. Okay, so not so much kids running around yelling, more like some shushing happening. (laughs) Um, Not quite, but we were there for an ACLU meeting and a panel on the state of banned books. In particular, in the Deep South, a lot of the books that are being targeted are centered on themes of race and racism, sex or violence. But we've also seen this real focus on LGBTQ plus themes, and that really hits hard for Mo Moore. She works at the library, and she's also trans. She says that growing up... I never saw a black trans woman in a book. I never saw a black trans woman on TV. If we were, like we were seen as the butt of a joke. Or we would seen as murder victims. For more, making queer books accessible is about saving lives. Trans kids have one of the highest rates of suicide. It is not a joke. These representations are not just about books. It's about helping kids, making sure that they're healthy and happy. So Mississippi and Louisiana have seen a steady flow of challenges in recent years, but it spiked in Alabama this year. Yeah, and Alabama librarians have a lot more control. They aren't really required to do anything if there are complaints. Some lawmakers want to change that, which could open the door to more books being challenged. In a radio interview earlier this week, Alabama's Republican Party chairman John Wall said he wants to try to hold libraries legally liable for content they're carrying. Yeah, they're abusing their status here and putting explicit sexual material in front of children in children's sections. That's the problem. For context, Wall also sits on the state's Public Library Service Board. So, Maya, I guess it's safe to say that efforts to ban books in the Gulf South aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, and librarians and educators are standing by to make sure young people continue to have access. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Maya Miller. And I'm Drew Hawkins.
The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Up next, we visit the ribbon-cutting ceremony for the 164th Mississippi State Fair. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The ribbon has been cut, signaling the start of the 164th annual Mississippi State Fair. Yay! People from across the state attend the fair each year for the rides, food, livestock competitions, and entertainment. We're walking with the State Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner Andy Gibson along the well. It's along the midway, that middle section at the fair, where dozens of booths are selling any type of food you can think of. The gates have been open for a few minutes, but it's already getting busy. I love the state fair because it brings people together. It brings all Mississippians together, and I love to, to get out and talk to folks. I can smell the wood fire yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, we're, it's making me hungry. Food. Yeah. yeah. This is the 164th fair. There's a lot going on. It, it starts today. It goes through October 15th. Tell us about a little bit about the attractions. I know there's a circus. Uh, antique car show, a beauty pageant, a rodeo. There's a lot to take in. And this year, brand new American Idol competitions happening tomorrow, excuse me, Monday, October 9th in the Coliseum and Tuesday, October 10th. We've got a little miniature uh, rodeo, the Taste of the Dixie National Rodeo up here on the uh, arena that we built, outdoor arena. So uh, that those are free events. When you come to the fair, you can sit and listen to the top 40 American Idol contestants from Mississippi, and then the top 20 on that Tuesday night. We have concerts inside the Coliseum starting tonight with Josh Turner. We've got the Commodores coming to town. We've got uh, Jeremy Camp, a Christian artist, on that last Sunday night. And, uh, you know, a lot of free activities that, that people can enjoy for a $5 admission and $5 to park. It's a really great deal. 11 to 1 is free admission. And uh, a lot of people, will, we look at our lunch crowd every day. And we say, okay, we had a big lunch crowd or a decent lunch crowd, and that kind of helps us anticipate what might we, we might be looking at later in the evening. So uh, the rides began at 2 o'clock. That's when a lot of kids would come out with their families and enjoy all the rides. We have 55 different rides, and uh, you can buy individual tickets for rides, or you can buy that book of $20, $30, and then there are a lot of ride specials scattered throughout the fair that kids can enjoy. So something for everybody. But it all began with these livestock barns, the Agriculture 4-H FFAU. That same tradition is the heart of the State Fair. Okay. I just want to give folks an idea of what we're seeing here. I mean, there's ice-cold drinks, Mm -hmm. fresh squeeze, lemonade, funnel cakes, ice cream, jumbo hamburgers loaded with fries, steak, chicken. It's all 
It's like Corn a, dogs. It's like a miniature restaurant set up on the Midway in one place for I'm everybody to enjoy. I'm getting just talking about it. <laughs> so we have two sets of Midway, actually. This is what we call our independent Midway. This is the Midway that, for the most part, is Mississippians. These are folks who are based here in Mississippi who have a business. They might have a food truck. Here you've got the Cattlemen's Association with a beef farm. So these are Mississippi farmers, and this is their number one fundraiser for the year for their scholarships for their members of the Cattlemen's Association. Just for example, these folks here at A&W have been doing this. I think if you talk to them, this is like third-generation uh, Mississippi folks who've been here at the State Fair for so long, and we're so thankful they're still here. They have a great uh, product. There's berries. There's pins of fish uh, house down here. So, yeah, they've located here to sell these local products, and that's really what we do at the Department of Agriculture is promoting local products. And as you make your way down this midway, you're going to find a, a, quite a diversity, not only in the types of food, but on the folks that are running these businesses, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. Do you know um, by chance what the attendance was last year? Last year we had about 600,000 paid attendance, and then from that we have a lot of people who will come in that's, that does not include the lunch crowd, for example. So uh, you, you can probably, in a lot of cases, double that. But every one of those people is spending money for these vendors, helping them keep their business alive. And during COVID, it was extremely hard, and we had a lot of vendors across the country that did not make it, and some in Mississippi that, you know, they were near retirement age, they just decided to stop. So it opened up an opportunity for new people to come in, and uh, we've, we've been able to fill this midway up with new vendors. We're getting into the carnival area, the riot area, so you're getting into the national presence of different vendors. How much does it cost to put on this <laughs> fair? Well, it doesn't cost the state of Mississippi anything immediately. What the costs are covered by the fair, the revenues that are generated by the fair. So actually there are no taxpayer dollars, not one penny they're used in the production of this fair. It, it lives off of the people who pay to come. To open the rides up, the carnival covers all those costs on the front end. We have our costs on the front end, for example, of advertising and of booking the talent and so forth. But 100% of those costs are covered by the revenue that's coming in. Last year, uh, and on average, the, the revenues will exceed $2 million for people who pay $5 to come and $5 to park. And that had, but the Mississippi State Fair pays for about half of the cost to run the state fairgrounds, about 50%. Some years it covers 60% of the entire cost to to run the state fair. So this is a true economic driver. It really is. It is. It, it, it's the reason we're able to have a fairgrounds. And not only that, but every one of these businesses are paying taxes, sales tax. The, the Department of Revenue comes and sits up right inside that Coliseum right there. And they are on a daily basis connect, collecting tax revenues from people who are paying the sales tax and other fees that the vendors pay for the privilege of doing business. Andy Gibson is the State Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner. After the break, we look at some of the security measures put in place to keep fairgoers safe. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Security measures are being stepped up at the state fair to ensure the fairgrounds are safe during the two-week event. In May of last year, one person was killed and five injured during a shooting directly outside the Mud Bug Festival, which is also held on the state fairgrounds. Agriculture Commissioner Andy Gibson says his agency has partnered with four different law enforcement agencies to keep folks safe for this family-friendly event. So that's when we decided we just got to do whatever it takes to, to, to increase our law enforcement presence so that we can continue to have events. And it's worked. And I think the work the legislature has done is strengthening the Capitol Police and other uh, agencies and the work of the Hines County Sheriff, Sheriff Tyree Jones and JPD. It's all pulling the same direction. And I, I think that's the secret to making this successful. Is everybody wants the same thing, a safe place to bring our families. And it worked last year. I think it's going to work again this year. We, we uh, start shutting the gates about 11 and as you know, this year and last year, we, for young people who are coming out late, they, they need to have a super uh, supervising adult with them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and that helps a lot. It's really helped a lot to, to keep, you know, we want everybody to come and have a great time. But what we were seeing and what a lot of fairs around the country were seeing was young people who would come in droves late at night with no supervision. This helps them to have a good time and make sure everybody's having a good time. What time do they have to start coming with a guardian nine or parent. 9 p.m. Okay. 9 p.m. And you're also checking pocketbooks and bags we are. and all that? We have metal detectors at every entrance, so you have seven ways to get in here. There's only seven entry points, and at every one of those entry points, we have our law enforcement who are checking everybody and uh, making sure everybody's safe. And, and uh, so once you get in here, it's a great time. and. We have officers in the parking lots to make sure you're safe coming and going. Uh, people are sitting and enjoying the good fair. I, I, I'm liking what I see here. Are there ever challenges to making sure that the food is really safe and doesn't spoil or anything and someone get food poisoning? The same health department that does the checks for all the restaurants, for example, they're here testing every one of these vendors. So when they get set up, they do all the routine tests that they would for any restaurant at every single one of these locations. Good morning. I'm Les Harrington with the Mississippi State Department of Health just to talk about uh, the food protection environmentalists that we have here at the fair. Uh, folks come, enjoy their favorite fair foods every year, and so we've got folks here making sure that those foods are safe and prepared in a safe manner. Uh, if you're buying food here at the fair, you need to look at those vendors, look for the sticker. If it doesn't have this sticker, they should not be selling food. What this sticker means is that we performed a sanitation inspection prior to that vendor opening. We've got a checklist that focuses on food safety and uh, risk avoidance. So if they don't have this sticker, uh, again, you need to find someone that does or you need to let us know uh, that, that they're operating without a sticker. Uh, once they open, again, conditions can change. We know that, that Things don't stay just like they are uh, when the doors open. So if you're there at the fair, be alert, be aware, 
Uh, make sure you're watching, seeing how folks are preparing food. Are they washing hands? Are they washing dishes? Uh, are there proper temperature controls? Are they keeping uncooked foods cool? Are they keeping the cooked foods warm? Uh, that's the kind of things that, that we look at because we don't want bacteria growing and, and uh, folks getting sick. So if folks do see something, if they do have a concern, they can call 601-576-7689. That's our food protection hotline. We'll perform an investigation on that complaint. They also can go to healthyms.com and register a complaint online. Uh, our food protection environmentalists will be here all during the fair doing random spot checks on the vendors, uh, again, because we know things change. Uh, but if we have any complaints, those all get inspected. So, uh, again, we want to make sure that, that we address any concerns that the public has. We want folks here enjoying the fair, eating their favorite foods. The fair opened its gates yesterday at 11 a.m. and will run through October 15th. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.